Good evening, good people. Good evening. Wanda, you okay, Beth? Are you cold? You're always cold, aren't you? Well, it's blowing. I can feel it from here. Everybody's got a blanket. Well, the windows on a sweatshirt. All right. Let's be turning in Luke, uh, Luke 13. Luke 13, we'll read a passage together and then we'll have our prayer. Thankful to be at this point uh, this week. Luke 13, 31. Let's read together Luke 13, 31 to 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said uh, to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. And then Jesus says, verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's bow together. Gracious Holy Father, we thank you for life and as we have it right now. We're thankful that things are as well with us as they are. We pray your blessing upon us as we seek to study. Lord, we're thankful for the preservation of your holy word. We're thankful, Lord, that we can gather together and we can uh, boost each other and we can sharpen each other's uh, knowledge and mind. We pray, Father, that as we do this, that we will be, be built up, that we'll be inspired to live closer to Thee, that we will seek to be a better example to those round about us. We pray Your blessing on those that are mentioned, our, our long sick list, and Father, You know their needs. pray Your blessing upon uh, Brother Noah Counts, passing of Wanda, Pray your blessing on that family and that you would help them. Lord, we, we pray that as we study this evening that we might be able to focus in a good way, that we might read these verses 
and might be able to bring the things that you want us to bring right to our hearts. We're thankful for the life of our Lord. We're thankful that we can read from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we can watch our Lord move. We can listen to Him speak. We can see how He reacts. He is our perfect example. We're thankful, Father, for His suffering and death on our behalf. We pray that You would help us continuously to turn from sin. That You would help us, Father, to realize how holy You are. Lord, we love to read about, think about, sing about heaven up above, how much better it is, how much greater it is. We want to be there, Father. Help us, help us to so walk that we might be able to be there one day with you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been studying some different characters of the Bible. We, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Caleb and... His daughter, Aksa, and her husband, Othniel, first judge mentioned uh, in the book of Judges. Last week, we looked at 1 Samuel 25 and noticed the contrast between Abigail and Nabal. We're looking at Herod tonight, and in addition to looking at Herod and his character, we also want to look at this verse, this, this paragraph uh, together. And so we will move along as we usually do in different uh, sections, and uh, we should be able to follow each other uh, pretty well. So noticing, going back to Luke 13, let's begin with this fox, F-O-X, F-O-X. Jesus said in regard to Herod, you go tell that fox, a thing or two. Okay. Now this is Herod Antipas. A-N-T-I-P-A-S. This is Herod Antipas. He is one of the sons of Herod the Great. So be turning your Bible with me and let's, let's do a little background on Herod. Turn back to uh, Matthew 2 with me. And we'll try to bring ourselves right back to uh, Luke Thirteen, But turn to Matthew 2 and remember this, Matthew 2 and 16. Remember when Herod kills the children? Now this is not our Herod tonight. This is the daddy of our Herod. This is Herod the Great here in Matthew 2. Herod the Great. And he becomes frightened, paranoid about this king of the Jews and so notice together here in verse 16, Matthew 2. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, this is Jeremiah 31, 15. But here's what was said. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted because they are no more. This is Herod the Great. This is the, the uh, patriarch of the Herods. Okay. I'm going to be giving you a chart here in a little while that will explain all the Herods uh, together. Okay. 
Herod the Great had several sons, and he had several wives. Okay. Notice here in verse 19, still in Matthew 2, it says, When Herod died, this is Herod the Great, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream again, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Now, so Archelaus here is one of the sons of Herod. Okay. Now, Herod has several sons who reigned in different places. Okay. So this is Archelaus, but this is not our Herod tonight in Luke 13. Okay. There are just several Herods. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 3. Turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 3. Luke is going to give us a little historical setting here in Luke 3, beginning in verse 1. Luke 3, verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor over Judea, and Herod being tetrarch, tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea, and Trachonitis, and Licinius, uh, and Licinius was Tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, uh, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So he sets the scene here for us. So here is our Herod, here in Luke 3, verse 1. Herod, the ruler over Galilee, but also mentioned here is his brother Philip, who's ruling over some other regions here. So you've got, in Matthew 2, you've got a son by the name of Archelaus, who officially took the place of his father, Herod the Great. But you've got these other Herods who are now ruling as well. So we pick up here with Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas is going to be the ruler over Galilee. Yes, he will take Philip's wife, his brother Philip's wife, to marry. Okay. Now, turn with me to Luke uh, 9. Luke 9. All right. Luke 9, verse 7. Luke 9, verse 7. Now, Herod the Tetrarch, heard about all that was happening and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead. By some that Elijah had appeared and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I am hearing such things? In other words, the word was spreading about Jesus. Who is this? And he sought to see whoever this was, but by this time in Luke's record, John has already been beheaded. This Herod of Luke 13 is the Herod that beheaded John the Baptist. 
Okay. And this is the Herod that took his brother Philip's wife. Now, what was his brother Philip's wife's name? Remember her? Herodias. Herodias. Okay. And then um, what brought on the occasion of John being beheaded? So, right, so uh, John the Baptist had said to our Herod tonight, Herod Antipas, he had said, now look, you've taken your brother Philip's wife, all right, it's not lawful for you to have her. So he threw him in prison. But he didn't really want to kill him, he just threw him in prison. But it came his birthday, and Herodias' daughter did this dance, and then Herod was taken by that. And this is the person we're studying tonight. This is, this is his character. He was taken by that dance. And he made some big promises. And so the daughter conspired with her mother and said, um, what do you want me to ask? And she said, you asked for the head of John the Baptist. And it was done. It was done. Now the record, okay, to put all this together, the record of that is, is in two places. Matthew 14, verses 1 and following, tells about the beheading of John the Baptist. But also, um, I think it's Mark 6, beginning in verse 14, tells about the beheading of John the Baptist. Okay. This is the Herod we're talking about, the Herod who has a very evil character about it. Okay. So Jesus says, you go tell that fox a thing or two. Right. So, um, also look with me to Luke uh, 23. Luke 23. This is also the Herod. Herod Antipas. Herod, one of the sons of Herod the Great. This is the Herod who shows up here and becomes friends with Pilate at the trial of Jesus. Before this, Pilate and Herod had been uh, somewhat enemies. But they come together at the trial of Jesus. Picking up Luke 23, verse 6. Verse 6. When Pilate heard that, when Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. Talk about Jesus. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, Okay. See, Herod is the ruler over Galilee. Okay. So when he, belonged, when he learned that Jesus was of Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some miracle or sign done by him. So he questioned Jesus at length, but Jesus did not say a word. Notice that in verse 9. That's very significant. Okay. Jesus didn't want any, he had, no, he had no reason, he had no desire 
to speak with this evil man. Verse 10, the chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate, and Herod and Pilate became friends with each other on that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Verse 13, Luke 23. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. And neither did Herod, for he sent him back uh, to us. Look, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. Of course, that didn't happen, but that's, that's where they were at at that moment. So when Jesus says here in Luke 13, Luke 13, you go tell that fox, this is Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great, one of the many sons of Herod the Great. And each of them ruled in different, in different districts along with other appointees from the uh, Caesars. Okay. All right. So I wanted us to get a quick background. I'll give you a chart in just a little bit about uh, Herod's family tree. Okay. Let's return to uh, Luke 13 and pick back up in verse uh, 31 and notice uh, this discussion a little bit uh, in more detail. Notice it begins by some coming to Jesus from some of the Pharisees came to Jesus, verse 31, and said, you need to get away from here, talking about he's in Herod's district in Galilee. You need to get away from here because Herod wants to kill you. He wants to kill you. Now, I don't think this is a sincere sort of gesture. Okay. I don't think they're really concerned about Jesus. I think these men are in cohorts with uh, Herod himself. And um, they're trying to goad Jesus to go back toward Jerusalem so that the Pharisees could operate more authority there and, and attempt to arrest him and put him to a stop. Okay, I think they're trying to, to scare him a little bit. Uh, Herod doesn't really want to deal with Jesus. Herod di really didn't want to deal with John the Baptist. You might recall that Herod didn't really want to put John the Baptist to death. He did because he felt trapped and coerced by Herodias and him getting carried away at his, at his birthday there. But he really doesn't want to deal with Jesus. He'd rather push him back toward uh, Jerusalem, away from Galilee, so that they could deal with him uh, there. Okay. So this is how I look at this. Now, could it be just a sincere gesture from some Pharisees who just happen to care about Jesus? Uh, maybe, but look how Jesus responds to this. He says, uh, you go tell that fox, as if they come to him and say, hey, you need to get away from this place. Herod's trying to kill you. Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, hey, thank you very much. Appreciate that. He says, no, you go tell that fox 
In other words, I know you come from Herod. I know, where, I know what you're up to. You go tell that fox uh, this and that. So, so first we want to notice the character of Herod, which we tried to do quickly. And then secondly, notice here the threat that comes uh, to Jesus. And it's somewhat of a bluff of a threat. Okay, it's, a, it's a bluff from Herod saying, I'm, I'm going to harm you if you don't get out of this district. But really, uh, he had no intentions of carrying that out. He just doesn't want the trouble. He's already had a lot of trouble with that other religious leader, John the Baptist, and he wants Jesus out of his district. And plus the Pharisees, Pharisees will have a lot more authority over things in, back in Judea and Jerusalem. Okay. But notice the, notice the boldness of Jesus here. Let's stop and consider a couple things. Notice the boldness of Jesus. You go tell that fox. You think they went and reported that to Herod? Hey, Jesus called you a fox. Now, knowing what you know about Herod, why did Jesus use fox? What do you know about foxes? They're sly. They're sly? Okay. What else do you know? What do you think of when you think of a fox? Hmm? They're unclean animals. Okay. They're varmints. They're varmints. They, they feed on just anything they can get, um, get their mouths on. Okay? And they will take from others as long as they can get to it and as long as it's good to them. They, um, we've had just a number of foxes out in Trinity over the last few years. And they come out at night and they're looking for something just to get and go. Get and go. And... Um, that's what, and remember, uh, Herod fits that, doesn't he? Because he's already taken his brother's wife. And he's already taken John's life. He took his brother's wife and John's life. He is absolutely a fox. He, he's, just a, he's just praying. He's, just, he's crafty, he's sly, he's underhanded, he's crooked. He is fox. Jesus... Just says, you go tell that fox this and that. Let's think about this also. How is it that Herod Antipas became so wicked? If the Herod of Luke 13 is the son of the Herod of Matthew 2, then how did, how did these other Herods become so wicked? Did they inherit the sin? Yeah, they learned it, didn't they? They learned this corruption. They grew up in this corruption. They, could they have changed? Could they have, could they have walked a, a better path? Sure they could, but they didn't. They were taught. They were taught this. They were better to be a dog in his court than to be one of his family. It was a pretty vicious family. Take your Bibles and run back to Second Chronicles 22 with me right quick. Um, just as kind of a comment on how it happens in families. Uh, yeah. 
If you look down to 2 Chronicles 22, the, the first part of the chapter, we're going to read about some kings here. Verse 2, Azahiah was 22 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Amri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor in doing wickedly. Okay. So how is it that um, Ahaziah ended up doing wickedly? His mother was his counselor. And that's the way it happened with these Herods. Okay. They were counseled to do wicked. And so the, we see them just passing their wickedness uh, down from one line to another. Okay. All right, so let's return to Luke 13 here, 31 to 35. And notice, uh, first, we see Herod being called a fox. Secondly, we see Jesus being threatened. It's really kind of a bluff. And the third thing, let's see what Jesus says. He talks about his ministry. Notice there in verse 32, he says, You go tell that fox, I am casting out demons. I'm performing cures today and tomorrow and the third day, and I'm going to finish my course. What is Jesus saying there in verse 32? He says, You go tell that fox that I'm... I'm casting out demons. I'm doing these other good works. And today and tomorrow and third day, I'm going to, uh, all things will be completed. What, what's he saying? He's not under Herod's authority. That's a big, that's one of the big things he's saying here. Okay. He's saying, my father and I, we will determine when it's time for me to go to Jerusalem. Okay. Regardless of these threats or so-called threats, okay, uh, we will have to go to Jerusalem. I will go to Jerusalem. Jesus knows he's going to his death. But, but it won't be because of Herod. It'll be because uh, I have decided it's time uh, to go. Right. There He says, I am performing a good ministry. There's no reason to run me out of the district. I'm doing good here in Galilee. That's one thing. But another thing is, uh, we have our own set agenda. You know, you know, we read in Jesus' life several times that uh, it just wasn't his time. They would try to kill him with stones or make him king here and there, and he would escape because it just wasn't his time. The father knew when, he, when it was time for Jesus to go uh, to the cross. What we learn here is a very, very important lesson, and that is that the world will try to set our agenda for us. Okay. In fact, is it true or not that sometimes we allow the world to set our agenda? Jesus was not going to allow the world or anyone else to, to set what he's going to do in his life. And don't we need to learn that very powerful lesson? And don't we as parents and grandparents, don't we need to learn that the world would love to set our agenda for us, to tell us the habits we need to get into, the careers we need to get into, how we need to spend our time, what we need to do with our children, 
what we need to do, this and that. The world, if we let the world, the world will absolutely control our lives. But do we have a different agenda than the world? It just seems to me that is a lesson that needs to be, be thought of right here as we read along in Luke uh, 13. I don't know what you think about that, but, but Jesus is definitely, just like Brother Houston was saying, Jesus is telling them straightforward, look, uh, we, we're doing our work, and we know what we're doing. And rather, regardless of whether hair is threatening or not, um, we're headed to a certain destination, and, and we know what we need to be doing. Any thoughts up to this this point as we study Herod and look at some of these comments by Jesus? Definitely, um, Herod has, by the time of the trial of Jesus, he's heard a lot of reports about the miracles. He obviously already heard because he sent these people to keep him out. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just a thought. Yeah. Good thought. And also keep in mind that, that um, Herod's uh, conscience is going to be bothering him because of what he did to John. Even an evil man has a conscience way down deep in there. All right, looking here in, in Luke um, 13, notice the next thing that Jesus says. He says, he first says, you know, I've got a time of ministry in, in, in mind here. Notice that third day, though. Notice that third day. I wonder why that's inserted right there. Could it be he's making a, a little faded uh, pointing to uh, the resurrection? He says, once I'm resurrected, then uh, th all things will be perfected or, or fulfilled. Um, we don't really know, but it's interesting that uh, that's uh, inserted in there. Let's look at verse 33. Nevertheless, Jesus says, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Jesus is fully aware that he will go to Jerusalem and die. He, he's making his way there, even as, he, even as he speaks. Now, we could take the time, if we, if we just want to be redetailed, and go back and look at um, episodes of when prophets of old were killed. Uh, by, uh, by officials in Jerusalem. Okay. Uh, but let's just look at one here in Acts 7. Turn over to Acts 7. Let's see what Stephen says. Uh, remember when they were stoning Stephen, which is in Jerusalem, or at least the area of uh, Jerusalem. Notice what Stephen says, Acts 7, 52. Starting in verse 51 of Acts 7, Stephen says... Uh, to the Jewish men there in Jerusalem, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised and, 
in heart and ears. You always do resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, uh, so do you. Which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? And they killed, notice that, and they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and you did not keep it. I believe Stephen is just as, almost as bold as Jesus, isn't he? Boy, that's fabulous. That is, that is some strong preaching there by Stephen in Acts 7. But he makes reference to the fact that as your fathers have done, so do you. The prophets of old, or rather the officials of old, killed the prophets. Here you are doing the same thing. This is what you did when you killed uh, Jesus. We've been studying the parables on, on Sunday morning. Remember the parable of the tenants? And Jesus makes a reference to, to how that God sent the prophets and they would persecute and kill them. And he says, maybe they'll respect my son, the heir. And yet they didn't. He sent him and they killed him. And then Jesus asked the question, what do you think the, what do you think the owner is going to do to these miserable men? And of course the parable applies bigger uh, to what was happening uh, to Jesus. All right. Um, so we see there in verse 33 that Jesus is fully aware. So let's kind of put this together. We started with the character of Herod and then the threat of Herod. And then Jesus says, look, I've got my ministry and my, my time. Uh, we, don't, we don't operate on your agenda. And then here he says, I'm going to be heading to Jerusalem to be killed like so many other prophets have been killed. And then he does a little lament here in verse 34 of Luke 13. He starts out by saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You see that? Verse 34, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and the stones of them who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers its chicks under her wings, and ye would not. Ye would not. Maybe you have actually been able to see this in person, but if a wind is coming up, a storm's coming up, then a hen will. Uh, quickly try to gather her chicks and under her wing or get them in a safe place. But also there's always one or two or more who just want to ignore their mom. They want to ignore the, mom, the hen. And um, they'll get stuck out in the weather and sometimes they'll die. Well, Jesus is the hen here. And there's a fox after the chicks. And... Many of those listen to Jesus because they're not really listening to him. They are leaving their place of security and protection and they're going to uh, pay for it later. And so this, it's a great picture that Jesus gives here. He said, how often I would have gathered you and you would not. You would not. And there's verse 35, he says to the Pharisees, Behold, your house is left to you desolate or forsaken. I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
this is one thing that they said when Jesus entered to, in Jerusalem. Uh, one reference there would be Luke 19.38, when Jesus enters Jerusalem for the final time as he is about to be uh, crucified. Let's quickly pass out, Brother um, Terry, you want to help? Got some copies of um, Herod's family tree. We'll just run over this real quick just for your and um, benefit as we kind of look at the character of, of Herod. This is just a, uh, really just an outline copy, but it, it's good um, to take this kind of thing and write it in your Bible. That's what I do. I found one empty page somewhere in my Bible, and I write this kind of stuff out because uh, I, want, I want to be able to refer back to it. Uh, but if you'll notice here, um, on your paper at the bottom of the picture is going to be it's going to be like a tree, and down here at the very stump uh, is it all starts with Herod the Great. Okay, I hope we have enough of these. I think. I think the copier was still running when I when I walked this way. We got enough. Seems like we're gonna have enough for. We good. I think we're good, man. But there are some more back there in the in the uh, resource room. Okay, so you can see this here, um, family tree of Herod, down there at the bottom, Herod the Great, he's the one that tried to kill Jesus, Matthew 2, 16 and 18. Now look at all the wives of Herod the Great, starting on your left there, uh, Mary Amni, number one, and then another wife by the name of Malthus, and then Mary Amni, number two, another wife, and then Cleopatra of Jerusalem, another wife. Now, with these four wives, Herod the Great had several uh, children. So starting back over there on the left, uh, through, his, through that wife, he had Herod um, Aristobulus. Don't hear much about him, but look on the second limb there. This is the Herod that we've been studying tonight. Herod Antipas, okay, that fox, that fox who had um, his brother Philip's wife Herodias, and all that wickedness took place. All right. And then another Herod here mentioned, uh, Herod had a son by the name of Archelaus through the same wife that he had Herod Antipas there. And then moving to your right there, notice that with, with Mary Amni number two, Herod had a son by the name of Herod Philip, Matthew 14, verse 3. And uh, he got his wife taken away from him. But then there was another Herod, Philip, that come through Cleopatra. But then looking back to your left, uh, through the wife of Mary Amni one, notice that if you follow that up, that eventually Herod Agrippa of Acts 12 ends up being the grandson of of Herod the Great. See that? What do you remember about Herod Agrippa of Acts 12? What did he do? 
No, 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 no. no. Start, stay in Acts 12. What did he do there in Acts 12? He, he killed James, son of Zebedee. Now, my heart goes out to these because, you know, you remember James and John early on. These are fishermen. Fishermen. Zebedee had a fishing business. And so there is Herod Agrippa killing James, brother of John, son of Zebedee. So when he saw that that pleased the Jews, then he just threw Peter in prison also. But an angel came and got Peter out of prison. What do you remember, though, at the end of Acts 12? What happened? Herod does a speech. Well, he does a speech, and the people said, this sounds like a God. And with great pomp, he uh, accepted that, and his head got big, and yet God struck him down, and he was eaten with worms. So this Herod Agrippa of Acts 12 perishes. Okay. But he had a son before he perished, and this is Herod Agrippa number two, and this, Aaron, is the one of Acts 26, Paul was before, and he said to Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And what did Paul say? Hmm? I wish you were not almost, but holy, and all of you standing in this room, except I wouldn't want you to have these chains on you like I got on me. Isn't that a remarkable, amazing heart goes out from Paul. I wish you were just as me. Okay, and remember we studied Sunday night, Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Okay. There's a sense of pride that we ought to have because we can't look to somebody else and say, hey, you ought to be like me. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not talking about in an arrogant way. But hey, you who are outside of Christ, you need to be like me because I'm inside of Christ. That's what Paul was saying there before um, Agrippa number two. He's saying, I wish you were a Christian. I wish you were like me. So I wouldn't want you to be in this. You know, Paul was in these chains. But by the time Paul got to Acts 26, you know, Acts, it's Acts 20 and 21 where he's arrested. And there's, there's years that go by okay, before he ever gets released at the end of Acts. It's amazing. I mean, I think I would have been just about as bitter as you can be. I mean, but here Paul has been in prison for doing nothing but, but preaching and bringing funds to people who needed funds, and yet he's able to speak with such patience and goodness. All right. So um, uh, this really gets kind of weird here because Agrippa number two um, has a sister, I think that's Drusilla, right? But one of those he marries. Which one does he marry? Or kind of consorts with as a wife. I think it's Bernice, isn't it? So, uh, man, this makes you want to just go home and get a shower or something because just. But this is Herod the Great. Look at the course that he set. He didn't have to go this direction. 
The Herods had an association with the Jewish religion. There in Acts 26, when Paul is speaking to Agrippa number 2, he said, um, I know that you know the prophets. I know you are brought up. Uh, you know these prophets. Okay, you, you've been reading the Old Testament. The, the Herods were not totally unfamiliar with, with the true God, and yet uh, they turned wicked. Okay. So, so there is just a little sketch of Herod uh, the Great. And um, what I like to do, and I've already done it with the Herods, is just go to these different scriptures and write in which Herod this is. And then uh, put another scripture there to take me over to, to another place and another place. And that way it can make a little bit more sense uh, to us and we can learn the lessons uh, that are there.